The wool market has started the 2021 calendar year in strong fashion, despite a relatively high Australian dollar and some large offerings. The lifting market comes after a consolidation in the market towards the end of what was an extremely tough year in 2020. But what lies ahead and what is actually driving this market? Let's find out. Welcome to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Marius Cumming. So Kevin Wilde spoke with AWI's trade consultant, Scott Carmody, who says, wool growers this week were happy with the market. Excellent. I think uh, as a great result, um, markets that tend to react um, on a heated nature like this aren't you know, very effective for the long term, but for the short term, for the people that are in the market, you know, particularly our wool grower sellers, uh, this is a great week. You know, a lot of the individual microns and types within the merino sector were all you know, somewhere between 85 up to, you know, on the super fine wools, up to 140 cents dearer for the week. So it was a good result there. Um, the crossbreds, they weren't left out. They were up to 70 cents dearer as well. And on a percentage basis, they actually pr- probably outperformed the merinos. Um, cardings were also well sought. It's just very reflective of, of a very much hand-to-mouth industry we've got at the moment. Um, obviously, this is a lot of China-related stuff, so uh, there was a good inquiry out of China towards the end of last week. Um, that inquiry um, turned into a lot of the exporters and traders offloading a little bit of their stocks or whatever stocks they had. Um, and then the Chinese uh, actually bid back um, on prices that were improved above and what they'd already booked at. So that gave buyers an inkling into that there was unfulfilled demand at the Chinese um, traders level, um, which probably converts somewhere down the line, it's got to be manufactured. So, so it is a good result for the wool industry in general. It just is a little bit concerning that the rise is so steep and swift. Um, but I'm sure the uh, growers that were recipients this week, you know, we're, they're very happy to take it. And the year has started off well, and that normally is the indication that the, the year overall will be more positive than needed. But you can never say never. We live in uncertain times. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think everyone's quite aware of how traumatic last year was, and hopefully this year does improve. Um, yeah, particularly for wool pricing. You know, we've got to remember that it wasn't too long ago that our in- indicator hit... 8.57 you know, in Australian sense terms and you know, to see the indicator at the end of January um, just three or four months later hitting 12.91, you know, almost 1,300, that's you know, a pretty good recovery in, in, um, in our market and you know, all things considered, the, the rest of the world is pretty well out of it still. You know, we, we're, we're still waiting for good orders from India, Italy, you know, all the other European nations. We're, we're, we're still missing that. Um, so when that does return and that uh, the, the shops open, people get back, they want to look smart again, they're doing a job interview, they need a new suit, that is going to you know, work well in Wool's favour because you know, we know that sweaters and suits, that sells Wool and that, that's going to help the price of Wool. So over the year, obviously, if the, those major economies in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, the US, Europe, UK... If the COVID rollout goes well, by the time we come into their traditional wool buying season, so autumn or winter, uh, other than obviously suits, which you can wear all year round, um, if things are going well, that's going to be a good sign for the second half of the year. Oh, absolutely, Kevin. I mean, we, we 
want wool to be a trans-seasonal fibre, of course, and, and there is a lot of innovation in that area that has, has converted that want into reality. So, you know, people are well aware of the uh, different markets, different uses for wool at the moment, and that all aids in selling wool. Um, as you alluded to, that Northern Hemisphere winter, autumn season, that is what sells our wool for us. You know, particularly out of Europe, United States is a good market. Um, China is becoming our best market, um, the Chinese domestic economy. Uh, they need our wool because they can't get it from anywhere else. If they want apparel wool, they have to come to Australia. So we're looking at a Northern Hemisphere um, hopefully for a very cold winter so that people remember why they wear wool. And when it comes to China, something that we've spoken about um, just in the office, and that is that there is considerable competition within the, the Chinese players in, in the wool market because their economy has certainly bounced back. They actually have a huge made-in-China appeal. It's our wool, but it's converted into Chinese-made clothing and, and that is going well for them. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. We often confuse China as being just one market, one one buyer, one market, but it's not. It's 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 a whole bevy of, of individual businesses, and the competition between those factories over there, which most of them, and I'd say that well over ninety percent of the factories over in China are now uh, singly owned by individuals, so they compete against each other just as strong as they would compete against an Indian or an Italian or any other nation that, that's competing against them. So the internal competition between mills fighting for our wool in China is, is probably the best competition in the world at the moment because and there is no competition coming, or very limited competition coming from other destinations. And, and as you can see, the price, that, I mean, that has basically arisen from Chinese competition. So it's always hard um, to ask you to get out your crystal ball and say what is the outlook for the year or even the next few weeks or the next few months. But it's, it's all dependent on those factors. Uh, the other major economies coming back, China continuing to do well in terms of dealing with the outbreak and have their economy go strong. So the signs are positive, but you can never say things are, um, are, are going to stay at this, this level, although we, we hope it stays, probably goes up a bit more for growers. Yes, always looking for better prices. Um, the fact is, though, that we're, we're hitting almost this week the 1,000 US cent mark, and that's a little bit of a... You know, China buys in, in US dollars. They have to convert their RMB into um, US dollars to, to transact internationally. So what we need is, is a consolidation. We need a nice little, like you know, pre-Christmas, we, we had a great market. You know, slow growth is good growth. You, you, you tend to bring everybody along and 10 cents here, 20 cents there, as long as we're on the positive, we're not having these big swings, and, and I don't think any growers like the big swings, and, I, I, and I'm certainly sure that most of the factories don't like the big swings. Um, maybe the traders like this, yeah, both here and in China, the trading people, they like big movements. Big movements can equal, if they get on the right side of it, big profits, and that's what we saw this week. So pre-Christmas was great. You know, we, we had our 10s and 20s and 30s, as I said, but that's, that's consolidation in, in a market. That's, that's building a price. And you're bringing everyone along. And uh, factories, you know, they like that too, a slow growth. 
so in a sense we want that an inching up of the the market if the if the trend line is just continuing to build rather than it being to use the you know the cricket analogy given I've watched a bit of BBL lately the Manhattan where it goes up and down a bit too much we just want it you know a a, a nice straight line that's a, that is absolutely ideal and and I think it's even more important at the moment too Kevin because we're we're looking at a situation where it's a little bit of a fluid number, but you know, there's estimates in the industry of somewhere between 150,000 to 250,000 bales of wool that are either still on farm, untested, or, or sitting in brokers' stores. And you know, I don't like to use the word stockpile because I, I like to call it unsold wool. Um, stockpile's got a little bit of a, a negative term in our industry. Um, well, there's a bit of history there. There is a bit of history, so we won't go back there. But the the the, the build up of these stocks. Um, I believe has has actually uh, hit its pinnacle probably a month or two ago, and I I have seen older wools coming on the market to aid the freshly shorn, and so if we can filter that wool onto the market, um, that's a much better result. And so what we saw this week, yeah, you know, I've got a little bit of fear that yeah you know, we're going to see five and ten thousand bales suddenly hit the market rosters for the next couple of weeks and that will dampen that rise and, and probably take a little bit off it in my opinion crystal ball wise um the crystal ball seems to only work for a couple of weeks in advance these days even if it's one day it's, it's very very cloudy at times yes it, it has and, and yeah corona cloud obviously so that's the most important cloud we've got to get rid of um, but we have had decent volumes. I mean, that's the, that's the that's thing. The, the year thing. started off, it was really, really strong. And um, so it's not just a matter of there being a lack of supply. There's decent supply out there, but there's also very strong demand. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, the demand is, is good. I wouldn't say strong yet. If we, You're you know, the expert, I'm not. Yeah, no, well, you know, this, I'd like to just say, as I said, I'd like to see all parties involved and... and this week we appeared to leave our factories out, the top makers, they, they were sort of not participating at the prices. They, they obviously have to buy a minimum level each week because you know, these are giant operations. They're 20, 25 million you know, kilo of top producers a year just between the top three, so each. Um, they need a little a minimum. So when you see the big guys only buying a couple of hundred each day, that means they're not a believer in the price. So. Um, they will need to go into the market in the next couple of weeks, no doubt, and replenish um, their you know, supply of their machines, and that will then consolidate any fall that we may come along. Um, we may you know, have, have to accept a, a little bit of a lower price over the next coming weeks because we've gone you know, six and 8,000 bales um, each week higher in numbers, and buyers do look at that forward roster quite um, harshly uh, these days in that um, a lot of people consider that as a, as a little bit of a wishy-washy figure and, and not to be relied upon but that's the only indication we've got as an industry so um, the quantities going forward will probably de- determine the next week or two's uh, outcomes of, on price. How much of a difference is there between the, the different markets in terms of WA so the Western Market Index to the EMI um, you know, sometimes they can be just a, um, a, a little bit separated. Yeah, it's, it's um, quite interesting. It's, it's, yeah, they are only indicators, but they are an indicator of the market direction. Um, very rarely does the market indicator match actually what a grower's product sells for. But Western Australia, it's always got the highest indicator because they are the finest wool clip. So they'll average because they have a, a very, very low um, 
composite or crossbred portion of their clip, they'll average around 19 micron each year, whereas both the eastern centres uh, in Melbourne and Sydney, they'll, they'll average around 20.6 or 20.8 micron. So hence, that's the difference. So there's a, a higher crossbred component in those indicators. There's, um, Melbourne obviously is, is our volume market. They, they will sell each week, week in, week out. Normally, normal situation is over three days because of the volume they've got. Sinuel and Fremantle both will generally stick to their two days rostering systems. And that will more than accommodate the volumes coming out of those markets. But yeah, the the pricing information, you know, based on EMI for an individual grower is probably not to be based on the EMI. It's just to be looked at as a as a directional tool. So, and, and we all use it. You know, it's a single figure. It's like the stocks and share markets. You know, they've got their indicators there, and that's what. It all got. depends on what you get for your bar. That's the most important thing I've always found, Kevin, is what goes in your pocket. AWI's trade consultant Scott Carmody there with Kevin Wild, and you can find out more longer term market analysis under the market intelligence tab at wool.com. And if you want to receive free SMS market reports on your mobile phone, either daily or weekly, please contact us via the yarn at wool.com, which is where you can send all ideas and feedback about this podcast. So from me, Marius Cumming, thanks as always for your company. We look forward to it again next week.